welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful growth step resources, join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. Welcome to No Other Name. You know, there's a lot of people and organizations that have made a great name for themselves. But unfortunately, they don't always live up to the name that they have made or promoted for themselves. This is very evident in the world of restaurants. Because sometimes you'll look at a menu and you'll see a picture of a a food item that looks so good. And you're like, I can't wait to eat that entree. And then it's delivered to your table and it looks nothing like the picture that you saw. Now, some people have taken this and they've put it online, their experiences, and I think these are so funny. Here's a, a few of them just, just for fun. You see, here's a picture on the menu, and then this is what was actually delivered to the table. <laughs> Nothing like it at all. Hey, here's, the, here's another one. This is the picture. This is what you actually get. It's like, what is that on top? Like, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if that's edible. Here's another one. This is what's on the menu. Here's what you actually got. Not like it at all. Here's, here's another one. Okay, this is what you're looking forward to eating. This is what you get. <laughs> here's another one. This is what you're looking forward to eating. This is what you get. Man, there's a huge difference. And one more. This is the nice spread you're all excited about. And then they put this on your table. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You know, sometimes what we're expecting is very different than what we get. Sometimes a name has been promoted, it's been celebrated, it's been communicated, but then it doesn't deliver on its promise. You know, think of your your favorite food right now. Think of a favorite place that you like to eat. Just, Just think about it. Maybe it's a person that makes food or a place that you like to go to eat. And think about your favorite food, okay? You got it in your mind? Now, now when I asked you to think of that, you probably thought of a name. You probably thought of a a person, you probably thought of a place, and very quickly the name came to your mind. And with that name, you started to think about things that you associate with that name. Now, this is true not not only when it comes to food, but this is true in lots of areas of our lives. And we think of names, of organizations, of people, of brands. We're in a culture that celebrates names. And everybody seems to be wanting to make a name for themselves. And we have expectations for those names when we see them names that we're familiar with. But unfortunately, people and places, they don't always live up to the expectations that we have connected with that name. People don't always deliver. Sometimes they let us down. And we've all had an experience with someone or some place that over-promised 
and under-delivered. They promised more than what they actually delivered. And what's amazing about God is we get into this series called No Other Name, is that God will never, never let you down. God's name, the name above all names, he never overpromises and underdelivers. He always exceeds our expectation. He is great and awesome in every way. And in a culture that celebrates names and brands, we're going to look at the name that's the greatest name of all names, the name that's above every other name, the name of the Lord our God. I'm really excited about what we're going to learn this month as we study together the name of God. Isaiah is where we're going to be spending most of our time throughout this teaching series. And today we're going to begin in in the book of Isaiah chapter 40, down in verse 18. It says, With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold, and, and, and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood and will, that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Let me pause there for a moment. And here the author of Isaiah is, is asking us a question. Who, who will you compare God to? And God is speaking and writing through this person and saying, How, who will you compare me to? What, what other name, what, what idol, what other God can you compare to God? And the answer, of course, is there's no other name that compares. But it's interesting here, it talks about an idol that will not topple. And in a culture where they would create and craft idols and they would be idol makers and they would, they would create these, one of the things that they would do is they would try to put these, these idols on bases and they would have a peg that was left in that, that, a metal peg that was left after the casting process of creating this idol and they would put that into a metal base so that it wouldn't topple, so that it wouldn't fall over because if your God that you worshipped, your idol that you worshipped, if it fell over, it was humiliating for that God but also for you as a worshiper because it showed the lack of power in that God. In fact, in the third century BC, it's recorded that invaders would come in and they would, they would take over an area and they would throw down idols. They would, they would trample them. And it's a sign of disrespect showing that they're not strong enough to save. But here, the prophet in Isaiah is sarcastically indicating that the futility of trying to portray the immensity of God, as one Bible commentator put it, his power, his wisdom, his resources, it's a futile attempt to showcase all of who God is in an image, in an idol. There's no way to do it. No matter how ornate or durable or how immovable that idol is, there's no way you can package and present the power and the greatness of God in an image. He's just greater. And what we're going to see in this is that it's in your teaching notes that God has no equal. God has no equal. He has no rival. You see it further if we could go on in this passage down in verse 22. Talking about God, it says he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and he spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. 
And here we just see the, the immense power of God, the strength of God, how he's sovereign and he's in control even over the greatest names in our world. He is greater and he's above them and they're nothing in comparison. He has, he has no equal. So, so Brenda, why does this matter so much? Why does it matter that I know that? Because, and this is in your teaching notes as well, it's because he is first. I need to know that his name is first. That God is first in all things. He has no equal, he has no rival, and he's first and he's greatest. When I come to understand that God is first, that he's, that he's highest, it really puts everything else in my life into the correct perspective. In fact, I can't rightly order my life, I can't rightly have a perspective on my life that's true and correct until I understand this. That God has no equal, that he has no rival, that God is first, that he's highest. I've got to understand that. You know, other names are continually vying for higher places in my life than they should. And other priorities in your life are always trying to usurp God's position and his name in your life. Those other names, although many of those names are very important and they're a part of our life, they, they can't and shouldn't be first because they're not first. God is first. So work is important, but it's not first. Fun and, and hobbies and pleasure, they're, they're great, but they're not first. My wife and kids, they're incredible, but they can't be first. My hopes and dreams are special, but they're not first. Comfort is appealing to all of us, but it can't be first. And I can never rightly order my life until I put Jesus as first, because he is first, because he is highest, because he is greatest. What is it in your life that tries to equal God in some way? Think about it. What is it in your life that's, that's always trying to usurp God's place in your life as first? Because in, in, the, in the world, God is first. He is highest. He is the highest name. But that doesn't mean in your life he's the highest name. Because there's other names that want to be first. What is that for you? How do you discern that? How do you know that? I think it can change week to week, month to month. It's, it's very easy for those things to kind of pop up and take, take that first place in our life if we're not careful. And one of the ways that you can know if that's happening is, is you ask the question, what is the last thing that I'm thinking about when I go to sleep at night? What's the first thing that I'm thinking about when I wake up in the morning? Is the, is the first thing that I'm doing at the beginning of my day, is it, is it pointing my thoughts and my heart and prayer toward God? Maybe getting in his, in his word at the start of the day. Is, is he first? Is that the first thing I'm thinking about? What about when I'm, I'm drifting off to sleep at night? What's, what's the last thoughts on my mind? Is it, is it whispering up a prayer of thanks to God for what he's done throughout that day and who he is and spending that time with him? Or is it, is it consumed with other things? What is it that you, you think about at night? When you, when, you, when you get in bed or in the morning when you get out of bed. There was one time in our marriage that I decided I was going to try to get a little more sleep than I had been getting. And I was going to do a little bit better uh, discipline when it comes to my sleep patterns. And so I set a, a bedtime for myself. And I was going to go to bed at a certain time and give myself a certain uh, number of hours of sleep every night. And I, I was going to be really committed to this and really strict on it. So I, I set my bedtime. I set my amount of sleep time. And, and, and I was committed. But the problem for me is that when it comes to, to go to bed, and I always have three or four more things I like to get done before that day's over. I'm trying to accomplish a little bit more. And, and, and so it was a challenge because I had I looked on my phone. I knew 
exactly what time I was going to be in bed, but, but you think of like, you got, okay, I got three minutes to go, and I still had to do this other thing on the other side of the house, and so, so I, I realized oh, I got to get back in bed by three minutes. I'm going to be in bed at this time, and so I, I brush my teeth and everything, and I, I run over the other side of the house, and I take care of it, and I'm, I'm running back, but then as I'm running back to bed, Jennifer catches me, and she, you know, and we usually try to go to bed around the same time, but then she asks a question like, you know, hey, I was, praying, I was thinking about something the other day, and, and she throws out some big question, right? I, I'm thinking in my mind, I have 60 seconds, and I'm going to be in bed. And she's like, have you ever thought about, like, our philosophy of parenting? <laughs> it's like, I, I got a minute, and, and I don't want to be rude. And, and my plan was so great, but I didn't account for people interaction. I, I, didn't, account, I didn't account for this. And so uh, parenting philosophy, let's just love our kids, you know, it all comes down to love. Let's love them. Hey, have a good night. We'll see you in the morning. Let's go. Or, or you know, she wants to stop it. Hey, tell me a little bit more about your day. How was your day today? And I'm thinking, I got a minute. It was awesome. It was a great day. I can't wait for tomorrow. Hey, good night. <laughs> Let's run it off to bed. But, but you know, I, I, how many of you, just out of curiosity, just about raising your hand, how many of you, when, when you finally do get in bed, whether you're sprinting there or you're, you're collapsing into bed, when you do get in bed, how many of you would say, you, when, when your head hits that pillow, you fall asleep like instantly? How many of that's you? How many of that is you? Okay, right. So how many of you are on the other side where when, when your head hits the pillow at night, like you're, you're taking a long time to fall asleep. You lay there, you're wide awake, you're thinking about stuff, your mind won't turn off. How many of you are there? Okay. And how many of you are like a little bit of both? It kind of depends on what's going on. Okay. Well, one of the ways you know what's most important to you is, is what you think about when you're going to sleep at night and wh- when you're waking up in the morning. What's, what's first on your mind? What's last on your mind at the beginning of the day and the end of the day? What name is the highest name in your life right now? And until we put Jesus as first and greatest in our life, our lives cannot be rightly ordered. But when Jesus is first, when, when God is first, when he's the highest name in our life, it, it, it puts everything else into order. Because when he's greatest, I can see that he's greater than the other things that might try to creep in and steal my joy and my peace. For example, he's greater and his name is greater than my biggest fears. So when fear tries to usurp God and be the biggest thing on my mind and and I'm waking up feeling afraid of something or I'm laying awake at night afraid of something, when I put God first, it doesn't mean that fear won't try to come into my life. It just means I recognize that the name of God is greater than fear. I recognize that God's name is greater than the hardest battles that I fight. I recognize that God's name is greater than my biggest problems. I recognize that God's name is is higher than my strongest temptation or my biggest frustration. He's greater and he has no equal. He is first. I hope you did more than just write that down. I hope you'll think about it this week. And anytime you see something starting to creep in and try to be first in your life, I hope you'll remember that there is no other name that's greater. God's name is like no other name. Well, back to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to read in verse 25 where it says, really great question. It says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. So who will you compare God to? 
Who, who created all that we see? It says, you know, when you look up into the this, this heavens, when you look up into the sky, who made all of this? Who created all of this? Abraham Lincoln said, I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist, but I cannot conceive how he could look up into the heavens and say that there is no God. One Christian author summarized really well what we believe as Christians about creation and how the world was put together and why we have faith. And they said, that, you know, our, our underlying belief is that something exists, of course, and you're someone and you're somewhere, and we believe that something exists and that that something can't come from nothing. So therefore, there's a necessary first cause. And Christians call that necessary first cause God. And that necessary first cause created all things that are natural or nature which means that that first cause is above nature, supranatural, or supernatural, meaning the supernatural is possible. And then Jesus came along, and he did miracles, the supernatural. He predicted his own death and resurrection, and it's historically documented. So what he says can be trusted. Well, for those of you who have a hard time believing in miracles, you know, I thought this was really powerful one one person said that Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. So that's one of the many miracles we believe in, the virgin birth of Jesus. But this person said that materialists believe in the virgin birth of the cosmos. Choose your miracle. And I love that because what I was saying is that either way you go, you have to believe in a miracle. You have to believe that, I mean, that that's something that you see all around you and you experience it came from somewhere. Do you, do you believe, do you have the faith that it came from nothing and there was an explosion and then over billions of years it just happened? That's a lot of faith. You're believing in a miracle. Or do you believe in a, a God that is that first cause that created all that we see and that is above nature and that did the supernatural, that, that created and spoke life and, and did the miraculous and is able to do the miraculous, that he's got a plan and a purpose for your life? What, what do you believe when it comes to miracles, because you have to believe, either way you put it, you have to believe in a miracle. But we believe in a God who's all-powerful. The, the theological term that we use for this is he's omnipotent. He's not subject to the physical limitations like man is. He's, he has power over the wind, as one person put it, over the water, over gravity, over physics. He's infinite and he's limitless. That's what we believe about God. He's almighty, and, and that word, if you define the word almighty, it means having complete power. And I, and I put it for you that way in your teaching notes, that, that he's almighty, that he's almighty, that he's all-powerful. Write that down, he's, he's almighty. And almighty, to me, is, is a special word. It's, it's always been a great word for me to admire who God is, but it has personal meaning to me now uh, because of a, a family experience that we had, you know, something that happened in my grandfather's life many decades ago. And I, I want to share that story with you, but it comes from Psalm 91, verse 1. It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And if you read Psalm 91 and you go through that story, you'll hear over and over again about the power and the protection of our great God, our Almighty God. Well, my grandfather, when he was drafted to go into the war, um, his father-in-law told him, he was newly married, married uh, his wife Miriam and and they were in love, and they were young, but he was drafted, Robert was drafted to go off into the war, and his father-in-law said to him, he said, if you'll read and reread and believe Psalm 91, you'll come home from this war. 
And so that's exactly what my grandfather did. He, he prayed over and over again uh, for God's protection, and he read Psalm 91 over and over again. And this this great psalm in the Bible about God's protection, and, and he saw a lot of his comrades die and, and, and pass away in the war. But he kept reading that and kept trusting it and kept believing it. Well, he wrote about one time specifically when they were taking some heavy, heavy shelling, and they were, they were under fire. And a section of his men uh, were in a small cobblestone building. And uh, one of the men who had previously made fun of him for reading the Bible said, hey, Robert, let's hear that psalm again. Let's hear you read the Bible again. And so he was reading Psalm 91 there in this cobblestone building with a group of his men, and, and they were under fire, and, and they had been sitting there just kind of waiting things out. And as he was reading through Psalm 91, he wrote this down. He said, I had this, this sense that we were supposed to leave that place. While he was reading that psalm, he, he just had this feeling that they had to get out of that building right away. And so they, they left immediately, and he said that uh, a shell hit that building when they were just a few hundred yards away, and it completely destroyed that building. That was amazing to me, that and many of the other stories I read about God's protection uh, over my grandfather that kept him alive. And I was thinking about it, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for God's hand of protection on his life. But over and over again, he trusted and believed and said, you know, God, I'm, I'm praying that you'll keep us safe in this endeavor, that you'll get us home. And God did that. And it's, it's amazing to me, a story of, of faith, but there's so many ways when we look at our life that, that there's names in our life, a name of an enemy, a name of a challenge, a name of a problem that seems so great. But we always have to come back to this, that our God's name is greater. He's almighty. He's over. He's on top of. He's higher than whatever the name is in your life. It's the, if it's the name of cancer, if it's the name of addiction, if it's the name of disappointment or depression, whatever the name is in your life, you just need to believe and know that God's name is greater. Does that mean that you won't have problems or eventually perish? No, it doesn't. He's still greater. Does it mean that you, you won't need to get help, that just God alone will fix your problem, that, that you don't need anybody else, and that you don't need help, or you don't need a counselor, or you don't need a friend? It doesn't necessarily mean that. But what it means is that we have to begin with faith and trusting that God's name is greater. And faith is powerful, and if you'll put your faith in God as an almighty God, you'll see his hand at work in your life. Psalm 147.5 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Job 26.14 says, who then can understand the thunder of his power? That's the God that you and I serve. And it would be foolish to rebel and do anything other than submit to him in our lives because he is almighty. And submitting to means to yield to the power or authority of another. And when you do this to God, when you submit to his power and you say, God, you are first, you're almighty, you're over me, you're in control, and so I submit to you, I bow my knee to you. When you do this, then life can finally come into order. Life can finally be aligned in the way it should be. Because if I honor God as first and greatest, then I can submit to him in all things. And my life can come into order and reach its potential in the way that God wants it to. His word rules my life. That's how I make my decisions. Not what I feel like doing, not even what I want to do. But God, what do you want me to do? Because God, you're first and you're greatest. And when I do that, then, then when God commands me to love somebody that I don't feel like loving, I can love them because I've submitted to him because he's first. When he tells me to forgive someone who seems unforgivable to me, I can do it because I'm submitted to God whose name is greater than my grudge. 
When, when, when God tells me to honor someone in authority that I disagree with, I can do it because I'm submitting to the authority and power of God in my life. When God commands me to use my words in a certain way or my money in a certain way or my time in a certain way, I can do all things well and I can do it his way because I do it for his glory and I do it because he's first and because he's highest in my life. And it, and it even impacts how I speak. One of the Ten Commandments for example, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. It says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And, and we hear people doing this all the time, don't we? OMG. Or they'll, they'll, they'll get into a, a tough spot or they'll get angry or frustrated and they'll just shout out God's name in vain. And, and that displeases God. It was one of the original Ten Commandments. You know, and if you think about it, it makes sense. I mean, I'm going to pick on a good friend of mine, Stephen, and, and imagine if every time, imagine if you were Stephen and every time you got upset and someone used, misused your name, you know, they're, they're walking along and they, they stub their toe, oh, Stephen, You're like, how would you feel if that was you? They're using your name that way. What, what if somebody cut you off in traffic and you're angry and you're like, Stephen, like, how would that make you feel if every time your name was used, it was abused? Every time that you were down or discouraged, you, someone yelled out your name. I mean, what would you think about that? And God, God says to, that we respect his name. We treasure his name. We worship his name. We honor his name. And so throwing his name around casually and carelessly, that's not a big deal. Everybody does it. It's in media all over the place. But that doesn't make it right. Because that name, the name of God, the name of Jesus Christ, is not a name to be used in cursing or a name to be used in frustration. It's a name that we honor, respect, and celebrate, and that we worship. His name is the name that's above every other name. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah 40, 28 talks about this God who doesn't grow tired or weary. And it's interesting because in the ancient world, uh, gods were, were viewed as having weaknesses just like humans. And uh, some were stronger than others, and, and they, would, uh, they would get into battle sometimes. Sometimes they would, be, they would expose their weaknesses, or they would be inattentive to others and, the, and the, their needs. And uh, sometimes they would be unaware of other events happening. And they, they, they got tired just like people did. These, these pantheon of gods, and they would... They would they would be weary. They would uh, use humans to do the, the hard labor that they didn't want to do to get them shelter or food or drink. And, and then you, you read in that context, Isaiah 40, where it says, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. He's different than any other God that is man-made or created. He's not like them. He, he is the creator, and he never grows tired or weary. He gives strength to the weary, he increases the power of the weak. And because God has unlimited power, and because he promises to help you, here's what you need to know. It's in your teaching notes. All of God's great power out there is right here with me. 
all of God's great power out there, out there in the universe, that God that seems sometimes he's out there somewhere. It's not just out there. It's right here with me and with you. So inspiring to think about because that power, that strength, we need it because unlike God, we do get weary. We do get tired and discouraged and disappointed. But to know that that greatest name, that name that's first, that name that's highest, that's above every other name, the greatest name knows my name. He knows your name. And he promises to help you and uphold you and give you strength to empower you when you need it. That's incredible. That all that power out there is not out there somewhere. It's right here with me and with you. Our family was walking through Disney at one point. It was late at night, and we'd been walking around all day, and like others, we were tired from the day. And, and I looked up in front of me, and there was this dad, and he was carrying uh, his little child in his arms. And I looked and looked, and I couldn't find the picture that I snapped, but I found another picture online that shows us of a, of a dad carrying this daughter in, and this child, and this, this, it was so meaningful to me when I saw it happening because I thought, man, that, that kid is, is weary. That kid is tired. That, that whole experience was, was a, a child saying, you know, I'm, I'm too weary to keep going. I don't know if I can keep going. But the father was saying, I have strength for you. I'll carry you. And, and I absolutely love that imagery because maybe some of you right now are in that place. You're a single parent, and you're like, I, I don't know if I can keep going. This is so much. All by myself, I don't know if I can do it. Some of you are in a place of brokenness or pain, and you're like, I don't know if I can keep going. Or you're going through a broken relationship or, or an addiction or a, a temptation or a problem that you can't figure out. And you're like, I don't know if I have the power, the strength to keep going. And what's amazing is that God promises because he's almighty, meaning his name is over whatever it is that you're going through. If that name is cancer in your life, if that name is anxiety in your life, if that name is depression in your life, whatever that name is in your life that you're struggling with, whatever name is causing problems in your life, God's name is greater. And so that means when you feel weary, when you feel like you're overwhelmed, when you feel like another name in your life is, is greater than your name, you can know that there's actually a name that's greater than that name in your life, and that name is God. And God's name is the greatest. And so when I feel weak, when I feel tired, when I feel discouraged, when I feel afraid, when I feel worn out, God is my never-ending source of strength. And with a God like that, what do we have to fear? When the name above all names knows my name, when I'm alone and afraid, I have a protector and I can gain courage. When you're overwhelmed, you have a, you have a strong helper that's right there by your side. When you feel exhausted and your energy is depleted, you have a source of power that's greater than any of your weaknesses. When you feel defeated, you have a strong victor. When the ground under you is shaking, you have a solid foundation. When you feel down, listen, you can just look up. Come on, church, let's celebrate that. That is amazing. That is incredible. Well, one small change can make a big difference in your life. And my son Jalen here is going to tell us about a time when one small change made a big difference. Well, in our family... We have a lot of favorite foods, you know? One of them is applesauce. We love applesauce, but we can't have it without cinnamon. Cinnamon is great with applesauce, but you have to have a certain way to have cinnamon with applesauce. My brother, Kylan, he does way too much. It's like applesauce with cinnamon instead of cinnamon with applesauce. It's kind of weird. But Kira, Kira is a different story. 
She has like one sprinkle. You only see like a speck in her applesauce. Macy. Oh, Macy. I can't even think about it. She rarely even uses applesauce in her cinnamon in her applesauce. Well, me, I have the two perfect sprinkles. One, two, that's perfect, right? Well, with my applesauce, one day I just saw applesauce in the cupboard. I was hungry. I was like, man, I got to have some applesauce. So I grabbed it out of the pantry, went to the cabinet, grabbed a spoon, put it in my applesauce, poured that cinnamon in it, two sprinkles, that's perfect. And I was going to eat it, but then I was like, Man, if I want a perfect little dessert or whatever meal, I have to go to my seat, my favorite seat. I go to the left side of the table on my seat. There we go. That's perfect. So I take my first bite. I'm like, mmm, yes, this applesauce is amazing. Oh, I love it. Take the second. Mmm. Wait a second. Strange. Something strange. Oh, no, not strange. Disgusting. Disgusting. So I went to retrace my steps. I'm going back, and I, I look where I set my cinnamon down. I put it, took it back up, turned it around. It, start, it started with a C, went on with an I, but it wasn't cinnamon. It was chili powder. It was chili powder. I had put chili powder in my applesauce, and I ate it. Like, that's disgusting. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. A small change makes a big difference. Thank you, Jalen. <laughs> One small change, it does make a big difference. In that example, but also in your life. One small thing that seems like a very insignificant deal can actually make a big difference in your life. And as we wrap up this message today in the beginning of this new series, No Other Name, here's what we need to know. That when we're up against a challenge that we think, that we think is too big for us, a problem that's greater than us, something in our life that's, that's, that's causing the wind of life to blow up against, waves up against the side of our boat. What we need to know is that there's a name that's greater than whatever that is in our life that causes us anxiety and fear and worry. There's a name that's actually greater. And when you have some uh, challenge in your life that seems greater than you, instead of shrinking back in fear and insecurity, you can rise up knowing that your God is greater than whatever it is that you're coming up against in your life. And instead of dreaming small dreams you can dream great dreams for God because God is greater than whatever adversity comes against your life. And God wants to do amazing things in your life because his name is greater, because his name is first. Pastor my home church, growing up, he read this, this verse I'm gonna close with today every single week, every service that he closed. He always closed it this way and it made a mark on my life. Ephesians chapter three. Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Everybody say more. That's right, everybody say more. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, his, his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. 
His great power, his almighty power is at work in you. It's at work in our church. It's at work in our world. And if you'll tap into that power supply, you'll find all the strength that you need to do everything that God has called you to do. Right on? Right on. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and we thank you that your name is greater than any other name. And God, we recognize that we live in a culture that celebrates names and brands, and there's so many names that that vie for our attention, for our affection, for our heart, for our mind, for our focus. But Lord, we, we want to wake up every day thinking about the greatest name, your name. We want to fall asleep every night worshiping and praying to the greatest name, your name. And God, when other names come into our life and they rise up and they cause fear, they cause worry, they cause anxiety, God, may we recognize that your name is greater. And when challenges come, when opportunities come that we say, well, that's a, that's a bigger name than, than my name. I, that's, that's more than I can do, more than, more than I have available. May we remember today that God, your name is actually greater than any opportunity, than any adversity, than any challenge. God, your name is the greatest, so may we trust in your name. God, may we place our lives fully in your hands, knowing that your great name is greater than anything in our life, any problem we have, any fear we have. We trust in your name because your name is first and your name is greater. We love you, Jesus. Your name is the name of all names and your name is the name we pray today. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.